0: Welcome to Bird Count Wonderland. We are still an Arsenal podcast. At times, I don't know why, but we are. With me tonight, it's the man who poos five minutes before the show. It's Josh. I Josh uh, Hi, Josh. Any reason why are late?
1: Uh, sorry, my thing's playing on the other side as well. So I was hearing my introduction twice. That's how oh, much no. of a pro I am today. I'm all out this- of sorts and which which introduction did you like the original or the replay version uh, the replay one was lovely uh, yeah. I cut it short of where you were rude about how long it takes me to go to the toilet but um, what can I say it, it needed some heavy work afterwards and uh, that's why I was a little bit late but I did pre-warn you you just don't read your Twitter DMs
0: you can uh no i don't because it's full no. of people sending me nudes um but but enough about mike Feinberger. um <laughs> you can get one of them pooping stalls where you put it in front of the toilet put your feet on it it changes the angle because apparently sitting in it like you do in an armchair isn't right you oh. need to be elevated josh
1: well i i've tried sitting at it like it's a little shelf for me you know where you sit with, and that's where you put your comics
0: and your chocolate milk um yeah. <laughs> but It's actually a good segue Uh, into what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, John, people don't know you're here. Oh, I forgot to do this um, before we started the show. There you go. I did that. (laughs) Now that's that Josh, how tall are you? I don't think it's any of your business. I think you, people probably think you're you're like Chris, five foot two. You're not. Uh, No. You are are quite lanky, but people will need, he needs to get his pictures in the background in, and he can't get those in and have him at a normal height. So he is quite tall, people. I'm not. I'm five foot ten. That's not Are tall. You? Yeah. I'm five foot ten. Well, I was last time I stood up, and that was 1993. <laughs> anyway, talk about 1993. That's about when yeah. I
1: started learning to walk. There you go, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, about
0: 1993. It's John wearing some lovely retro merch. What season is that from, John? 86? Probably. It's, I, I, you know,
2: it's hard to keep track of anything nowadays, to be honest. But yes. it, it it is beautiful, and uh, you know, I have to say
0: one thing about Arsenal this season is that they've been killing it with some of this merch. Oh, I would say up until Christmas, that's the only decent thing we've done all season, but not anymore. We are no, no, back on. We're brilliant again, ish, kind of. How are you? I'm all right.
2: I'm all right. Thanks for well, you know, relatively, <laughs> I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I, I you know, it is what it is, right? And it's it, I've I've. I've enjoyed games a lot more than the game that I just watched. Let's put it that way. But, you know, here we are. It's
0: part of the game in a way, I guess. Oh, And uh, for all the lovely people in the UK here, the further south you get, the warmer it is. Currently for me, it is seven degrees. Josh, what's the temperature there now that you're up north? Uh, Minus 17,
1: uh, but I'm sitting right next to a radiator. It's not minus 17. It might be about
0: six. John, would you like to make the whole of the UK cry? What's the weather been like today? Uh, it's actually pretty cool in
2: in South Florida. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is in Celsius, but... I work in, in both. Okay, well, it's about 70 degrees right now in Fahrenheit. Uh, oh,
0: so that means it's about 20. That's not yeah. Right, is it? Double it. I'm, 40. I'm yeah, freezing at 60. Don't you start. I'm, People don't even know you're here yet. <laughs> I've got a haircut. I'm going on a pod and getting a haircut. Fucking <laughs> It was the occasion. My My apologies finally it's uh, it's it's mr hertz the man who invented kill hertz electricity it's mike not feinberg hertz how you doing treacle
3: i'm doing great danny thanks thanks for having me on um personal i'm doing great football yeah that was a major bummer i i I honestly can't remember the last time i was this upset where after the leno read, i just i actually turned off the stream and i went back and watched it later i i don't I cannot recall the last time I was this upset over a game, but I, something about it just – I think because I, I i initially had the same reaction as most fans with the uh, Luis Red, and then when Leno did that, I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, and I just – I disconnected and came back to it the next day, but uh, a lot of decompressing the last 24 to 48 hours.
0: Oh, and will you be schooling us on how to say Ateta? Arteta. There you go.
3: It's all about the arro, <laughs> sir, yes. I'm I'm quickly I'm quickly uh getting myself a, a reputation for that. I see. <laughs>
0: Do you think he says uh, Mr Arteta says it like that or does he say it with a cockney accent? Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's a good one because it's Spanish. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Ah, so you've been adding a um a South American so it's not South America is it? No, I got that wrong. It's uh what is Spanish. it? Spanish? Spanish, Danny. there you go.
1: There you go. Is, if it makes it easier, Arteta's from Spain. You know that, right? Let's <laughs> start from the basics. <laughs> and, he's a, he's uh, a, I assume...
3: Spanish uma, Emery from, car, from
1: Yeah, car I assume if uh, Mike is going to pull us up on our uh, pronunciation of Bayern as well. Oh, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's something going on then. Anyway. Not
0: double L, that's all I know. <laughs> yes let's go and have a, have a say hello to some of the lovely people in the chat box first of all we have got j-rob is one of our members j-rob how are you enjoying are you do you think you're getting money's worth for all the money that you've paid for that little green thing and you quite frankly get you get fuck all in return don't you uh if i was you i'd sue hold on someone's put something in the private chat oh questions already look josh is on josh is 10 minutes late but at least he's putting the questions in the chat there you go loki's there i expect made up quotes from loki all the way through the show duncan knapp is there he has been uh he's he's been i think he's been very busy on twitter annoying people who else is there there's john from the miami podcast who three times today i cursed your name john because i couldn't remember the name of your your at (laughs) 305 what is 305 is that your podcast that's the area code of miami yeah there you go. So mine would be the 01480 cast. doesn't have yep. like the same thing. <laughs> it doesn't week, flow really off the tongue of as well. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, we've got David there. Hello, David. And you've got my, Mike there. Julian Salmondo. Um, so far with my experience of, of um, the places that are warm, I'm not even going to pretend to know where you are this week. Phil Macker, <laughs> He's in Norwich. We know where Phil is. Who? Uh, oh, that's Mr. Phil Macker to you lot, who had a question read out on the Tuesday Club. I hope you're never going to email them again. Did anybody hear his question? His I comment did. about, oh, do you want to tell the lovely listeners what it was? No, it's not that it was rememberable. I just remember him being on it. <laughs> he <laughs> sorry, Phil. They, they, they met. Uh, they met Teddy Sheringham oh, he when did. he was playing for Leighton Orient, and he was on ten grand a week. And his dad was a Spurs fan, and all the Leighton Orient fans and players hated him. Not his dad. Terry sharing it well. (laughs) Uh, Who else? Oh, Sam Fisher, Cy and Vesh. Who else? Phil's trying to get another sneaky one in. Oh, Stokes. Stokes is there. Excellent. Uh, He said he might come up a bit more often, Josh. So, you know, any more um, lazy attendance from you? And might be P45 time. I know there's always
1: got there's always one ginger at ABW. That's a requirement. well, they thought that about Arsenal. Mustafi's gone. There are no gingers at Arsenal anymore. Honestly, that's the first time I've realised, and now I'm sad. Um, give me wow. about five minutes before you come back to me. I'm not sure what I can do. i have to pour one
0: out for my fallen comrades. Oh, never mind. Right, let's. Uh, that's seven minutes and 51 seconds of everybody's life I've wasted. John's thinking I could be at work, and Mike's thinking I could be shouting at my kids, and Josh could have had another poo, and I could have had another wee, because uh, I'm full of wee-wee. Right, you don't get this sort of nonsense anywhere else, do you? So where should we start? Let's um, start with the easiest part of of tonight's show, the Man United game. All my notes say is nothing to say other than we've got four points off of them this season. Josh, do you reckon we should move on already? Um, Yeah, was that the one I got an hour show out of? An hour and five minutes of you and Carl talking like old women about knitting and sore feet yeah go listen
1: to that one there's probably more content in it (laughs) i don't even know i honestly i can't even remember doing that show that's how exciting the man united game was
0: talking of don't remember i forgot to say mike what is from probably the best named arsenal podcast after our own obviously from not another arsenal podcast mike hello um would you like to tell people where they can find your podcast and who you do it with i'll ask you this at the end as well but i feel bad because everyone knows john Everybody it's knows hard. John.
3: Uh yeah, not another Arsenal podcast, uh, and it's on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, and uh, same handle for uh, Twitter. Reach out. I do it with some awesome friends, which is Sebi, Kelly, Christian, and Ryan sporadically, and um, yeah. I mean, the, the gentlemen love
0: to chat, so feel free to hit us up. And everybody knows John's um, podcast because I think you said on the show the other day you started it in 2015, John. Hmm
2: it did it was uh yeah yeah it was right right in about 2015 like that that first season was the was the first season we did it i think
0: you have a very unique ability to do one-on-one shows and winkle stuff out of people i was lucky enough to be on there once i think i've been on there a couple of times it's a very good show you you need to bring back you're a busy busy man aren't you
2: oh it's i I like that's my biggest thing i wish i could keep doing it but it it, you know it is difficult to find the time to to actually because i do it just the audio format right it's easy when you do it here and it just converts and and you don't have to like deal with everything and taking like the audio file and snipping in, putting the intro and all this. So I do it the hard way, but uh, it, it's, it's not, it takes a while. <laughs>
0: but, it, but it's definitely worth it. Right. Um, right, you do, uh, Michael John, do you want to say anything about the Man United game? It was, as everybody knows, it was nil nil. Um, I think we looked good at times. Um, there was the beginning of the Pepe revolution, if that's worth mentioning. Um, and Suarez had a half decent game at left back, which is. And Odegaard made his debut. Uh, Odegaard made his debut. O-D-Gord, O-D-Gord. Still wrong, still wrong, Danny.
2: Odegaard,
0: Odegaard.
1: Odegaard. You don't say the D. Odegaard. Okay. I, I feel
3: like Maguire could have potentially got two yellows in that in that game, um, both fouls on Lacazette. Um, I'm going to kickstart the ref talk from the Fernandez. United- and then I'll and I'll <laughs> go up from there. Fernandez is another one, but
2: that was the I mean that on Jaka that, mean, that one just
3: in itself, but the, the Maguire is pulling Laka like right, down right before the box and then the whole undercutting that it's becoming kind of a more of a regular thing. And you know, spoke about it on the pod the other day where it's going to become a problem once somebody gets injured, like just <laughs> what happened with Raul Jimenez, where he he needed a crack skull. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should take this a little bit more serious. So uh, it's really unfortunate that the FA moves very, very slowly when it comes to players' protections. So uh, that's a gripe that I have right there, just the whole undercutting that. I, I think it's encouraging defenders that they know that they could put the fear of God in in attackers, knowing that the attacker won't want to you
1: know, go up for a ball the next time around. So I think what we have learnt though from this week on Ref Talk and all of that, that was because Fernandez was going for the ball, it's not a foul. Is that it? Have I got it right? that's those the rules? Yeah, if you go for the ball, it doesn't matter if you kill the guy on the way through, it's all right. The ball was on right. the other side of Shaka, so it still should have been a pick. yellow. The I, I ball think. doesn't need to be in the same postcode. That's what yeah. yeah. the rule is now.
2: Again, <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even have to be in the starting eleven as long as right. you know, as long as the intent was to go for the ball yeah, on exactly. the bench or you know in the dressing I, room.
3: Again, encouraging very dangerous behavior. Uh, that's just what that shows me. That mm. doing the right thing and not taking somebody down will get you more <sighs> punished than just two legging somebody. So. I say next time he should make it
1: worth it, if that's the case at this point. Yeah, it's only in football that uh, manslaughter carries a heavier penalty than murder. (laughs) That's a very good analogy.
0: (laughs) How long did you spend thinking about that on the toilet? Oh, oh, it was
1: about, to be fair, I'm pretty sure I tweeted it. I'm going to put it out there. Did you high-five yourself after you thought
0: of that? I went, oh, quick, quick, I've got to
1: write this down. Honestly, I forced my girlfriend to high-five me and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, no, this is gold. It's absolute gold. Come on. High five me. She's like,
0: well, you're a fucking idiot. I'm going to do my best not to offend our American listeners here. If someone ever tries to high five me, I go, no, you stop that right now, young man. I'm Negro an American and I don't play basketball. So you put that hand down unless you're going to hit me with it. If you want to hit me with it, continue. I will not be high fiving. Shake hands like gentlemen. And then I shall ant back my hands after because you might be vermin. There you go. Uh, Sean tries to get me to high five. She grabs hold of my hands and tries to make me high fiver. You're like, nope. No. That's true. That's the true story. If only she was here and she could shout, uh, but she's not, she's abandoned me because, uh, not even more fun. Well, so, if there's uh, any
2: consolation, I feel like the high five is the thing of the past. Now, you know, nowadays, now it's, it's this or it's, the one yeah. of those, you know, there's no more yeah. high fiving going on.
0: Oh, this is, I was starting to get used to it. Um, <laughs> right, so, uh, yeah, let's move on from the Man United game because, uh, I think Josh has completely um, summed that up perfectly. It's, uh, <laughs> If you're Fernandez, you can do whatever the hell you want. So, uh, well, the next yeah. topic I've got here, you go people, strap yourselves down the Aston Villa game. Now, me and uh, Richard did a really good show. It was only, uh, I think 41 minutes long, Josh, and that was way too long. And I was full of chicken at the time. And well, where do we start? Let's start with the good stuff, shall we? Um, the, the formation, everybody. The um, Wolves I expected to go there and beat them because Wolves were a good team they've now had their best players gone they're not really playing that well they're bottom of the league bottom half of the league and I, I really honestly thought we were going to go there and beat them and going by our first 46 minutes of the game Josh did you honestly think we were going to beat them because wow we looked we looked we looked scintillating is the word I'm looking for
1: yeah I thought so I think uh Firstly, you said you definitely led up by saying Aston Villa and that confused the hell out of me because I was you like, did we play Villa? Yeah, you did yeah. say Villa. All <laughs> yeah, all right. There we go. There's half our Midlands audience <laughs> gone. See you later. We, um, <laughs> uh, we might do. We might have what a couple of Brummies in there. Actually, no, I think I did insult people from Birmingham <laughs> once. <laughs> They're probably not here anymore. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that first half, let's say the last minute of it ruined a lot of people's drafts in their tweets because I think everybody was going to say something along the lines of, you know, we've got our arsenal back or we should have put them, you know, three or four up um, in that first half. I think even to the point of, for me, I can go for what the tweet I wanted to put out was that it looked like a team that, you know, were playing in a happy workplace We'd got rid of four people who, you know, were bringing the vibe down. I think is the uh, nicest way to say it. They weren't necessary. They knew they weren't really wanted there anymore, so we got them out. Uh, we got some kids out on loan who were probably, you know, in the likes of Maitland Niles. Some might say, understandably, asking for more game time. You know what? If they're not getting that game time, they're going to bring that kind of fun sponge to the party, and we just got those kind of people out and whilst some of them were like, okay, we want them back. And I think in the case of Willock and Maitland-Niles, we'll happily take them back at the end of the season. It just looked like a squad that had, mm. you know, like the cobwebs had been blown away from it. And that it was some great attacking style. We just knew how to break this Wolves team down, which I would say as a caveat, it wasn't, this isn't a Wolves team that, you know, used to be like 1-0 to the Arsenal kind of, Thing they would sit there, they get one goal and they just defend for the rest of the game. They're not that great defensively, but I think generally we were superb. But I don't know if anyone else wants to take up from the first half from that first like series of play with
2: Partey and Saka. It was like, oh, all right, this is this is this is awesome. And and Partey is awesome, but he's such a special player. He has this awesome ability to disguise a pass. And I don't think we have any other midfielder with the ability to disguise the pass quite like Partey can. And as the game progressed, it became very clear that uh, that they just could not, comp- they couldn't keep up with Partey tasaka That that linkage, that link, w- kept happening and happening and happening, and it was very very exciting to see because it was like. Okay, this is awesome. Part, you know, Saka's back in the team. We know that he wasn't able to play for a little bit before, and now this one player that we were all excited about didn't have this greatest showing against Man United. Even went on Twitter and was like, "Yeah, I didn't have a great showing against. You know, it wasn't my best game." And he came out with a, bit, a mission, and we he almost put us one 0 up in less than five minutes. So that was very exciting to see, and I think that the overall style of our play was very positive, which was which was good. And obviously, it degraded into nonsense which we're going to obviously get into but uh, I think you're spot on with regards to the the way that they looked like they were playing as a team that was happy to play football again and happy to be together rather than what seemed like this kind of scythe hanging over the happiness of the squad um, based off of personnel that might not have felt that felt that they were not had the best kind of cards dealt to them or whatever the issues were that have been seemingly gone on for a while it feels like that weight was lifted off us so i'm glad you touched on that because it really did get that sense that was right from the get-go almost a different style to the way that we were playing and um you know all that came crashing down at some point but i guess in the first half that's that's really the key to me was was very positive performances all around
3: uh, yeah, I just want to touch on Pep a little bit. That I'm just, just happy that his good form continued from the United game. He just seems to be on fire. I don't know if it's as easy as the whole concept of just giving him game time to just play on. You know, I know a lot of people were saying, well, that doesn't start him, so he, he's never building up confidence. But he started on the left, which kind of threw me off because I thought his whole game was cutting in and you know taking that left shot like uh, Arjun Robin used to do. But He's been playing out there. I mean, he swung it in pretty nicely with his right foot, but he's beating defenders and just creating space and doing crosses that are way more accurate than Alba. I mean, just on the crossing front, he, he has different qualities than Aubameyang, and so his game doesn't revolve completely around just cutting in and just making that beautiful curled shot. So the fact that he scares the crap out of defenders – Um, it's a beautiful thing. It just adds a little bit less uh, attacking threat on the right-hand side because they're less likely to move up. And while while I'm on that left side, I just want to say shout-out to Cedric that you know I I understand how important and how good Tierney is. Uh, Cedric has made it feel a little bit less painful, Um, and that was a pleasant surprise for everybody considering when we signed him. I know everything was a little doom and gloom. He wasn't playing very much. And then, you know, he, he started pretty good uh as right back and instead of Bellerin. And everybody was thinking, hey, maybe he could displace Bellerin, which we we now are, are creating in a few different positions other than our actual midfield, actual competition, where now you got somebody saying, Hey, potentially Cedric could do better than Bellerin, potentially Pepe could do better than Aubameyang, and so on and so on. And I don't think we've had that in a very long time. So even though we more bodies went out in the transfer market. it seems like the competitive nature, the bonding the patterns of play only went up. so now when you switch out one one part, it doesn't just collapse the whole team and so that, it's really encouraging to see how well uh, Cedric has been doing on both on the right and the left so it' really sucks that Tierney's out obviously because we all know his qualities. But, I mean, those first 40-something minutes, you know, we keep on saying 40-something, right, before the (laughs) it it, that should not be named, happened. Um, Cedric was playing out of his mind, so it's one of those games where you're like, ah, damn, one more game without Tierney, but it didn't feel like it. So it didn't feel like we were substantially weak on the left, so uh, positives all around, I guess.
0: Okay, but I want to share this is how excited I was by the first 46 and a half minutes. You ready, everybody? Look yep. how embarrassing that is. I tweeted that for people at home. <laughs> I said, we're going sixth, we're going sixth. The Arsenal going sixth, we're going sixth, we're going sixth. Our tests are out, AU hey, muggy twats. That's what I did. <laughs> Basically, it's your fault. It like yeah. Yeah. yeah, I take full responsibility for that. And I am utterly ashamed of it all. Um, Mike brought up a good point there about um, Suarez coming in, Josh. So uh, all of you, um, start with Josh, Mike, John, then Mike. Do mm-hmm. you think that now that Suarez has suddenly gone, oh, actually, he's a decent player, left-back and right-back, do you think that meant the reason why we didn't get a left-back in the transfer window? And do you think that he's good enough to be a left-back, right-back cover for both people? Or maybe even better than Bellerin? i said it. I've said it. Well, there's a lot of people that would say a
1: corner flag was better than Hector Bellerin um, <laughs> if you allowed their agendas to speak. Um, yes. But no, I'm not one of those. I would say, yeah, I'd agree with you that I think what we saw from Cedric in the last couple of games has given Arteta kind of a, a safety that he's like, okay, I've got a guy that can play on that side. Uh, Maitland-Niles, there's, you know, there's only so much cover you can kind of have at a football club before it gets a little bit silly. And I think, yeah, it made sense that we let someone like Maitland Niles go out. We obviously saw the pictures of the day or the training session before or of the day of uh, transfer <laughs> deadline day where Joel Lopez had joined the group as well. So he's the guy that currently fills in at left back for the under-23s. Is he um, fills in? Yeah, I don't – but I believe he's a converted centre-back, Joel Lopez –
0: I don't remember him being a proper left-back. I always back. remember when he signed from Barcelona that he was a left-back. Maybe. I don't, I've never met him. If no. anybody knows him, give him a ring, ask him.
1: We'll i to ask the- George Bird, but I swear he was a converted centre-back. Anyway, mm-hmm. on that, I, I think that obviously gave Arteta enough thought that we've got sufficient cover to get us through the season. And whoever we were trying to target in uh, January just wasn't available. I mean, personally, I would have dropped down to the Championship, picked someone up from there. But again, if they don't want to come, you can't really force them. And um, We'll just see in January there'll be options for us then. And I'd look at, again, dropping down into the Championship
0: and picking up a player from there. We've got a bit of bit of uh, grief here, um, Josh, from Phil mm. Even Josh's moustache earlier in the season showed more promise than Bellerin. John? Yeah, my moustache was great. First Sorry. of all I think I think I think his mustache <laughs> was great
2: personally. Um uh you know and also I think that I I I think he's pretty much spot on in terms of your analysis of of Cedric in this situation. I think that w- w- what really more do you want from a backup than what than what Suarez has been able to provide for us? And, and you know, he's a player who I think a lot of people were questioning earlier on in the season at a time where the whole team itself wasn't doing very well. And you can understand the logic behind that, right? You're looking at this team going, OK, there's a chance, especially with Tierney getting injured, Bellery coming back Bellerin coming back from injury. We're going to need a player to step in and cover. And they were, you know, maybe had a little bit. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're not just miserable people, which there are a bunch of them out there um, in saying that they thought, look. I'm a little concerned with the performances that that Cedric put in, and when you look at the context of the whole, the way the whole team was performing, it, it may be a little bit unfair. And what we're seeing now, I think, from the entire squad is, and I've mentioned this before, the entire squad gets us. You get the sense that their that their ideas of what what uh, Arteta are trying to do are becoming more crystallized as a team, in the sense that they they kind of understand the bigger picture on the pitch, what everyone else is supposed to be doing. Which is, in my opinion, why we're starting to see a little bit more fluidity among amongst players who are able to go from one position on the pitch and then fill in for another position, uh, whereas in the past it would have been a little bit more shaky. You're now having players who are by themselves decently uh, talented and skilled like Cedric – who are able to do multiple different things. And I know that he's done it in the past, but you still need an understanding of what everyone on the pitch is doing at the same time in order to maximize your ability to slot in in other positions. And because I think Cedric has a mixture of that just technical ability plus understanding of what Arteta wants from a system, he's able to slot in in those positions really well. And you saw like kind of the kinks being ironed out a little bit or uh where you know he was on the he's a right footed player playing on the left side and you know his crosses were a little wonky at first but you start seeing that smoothing out and now what you're getting is from from Suarez every time he plays is a little bit more of a concrete smoother performance uh which I think is helping everyone out in the long run especially considering that that Tierney keeps picking up these injuries and now it's a new one apparently so there's definitely gonna be time for him to play so I guess ultimately yeah there's not much more you want from a backup, and whether or not he was the plan going forward, or we were trying to get someone in the summer or in, in the winter window, look, you know, I'm looking at the effect here. The reality is, is that we didn't. So he is effect. He's effectively our backup. And as far as backups go, he's showing that he's going to put in the performances, which is a very positive sign, in my opinion.
0: How do you feel about him, Mike?
3: Um,
2: okay, so Cedric, I-, I think
3: he got off on the wrong flow with a lot of fans just because. Is he is he represented by Kia as well
0: uh-huh. with
3: with Willian? I, I think I, some something happened when when Willian came in. I think the fans started roping in Cedric and Luis with him just because of the fact that Luis is Brazilian and, and Willian was going through that bad patch, where it just kept on kind of circulating, like or maybe Raúl Sanheli was the the glue, the, the thing that kind of connected them all. And I think a lot of fans just were like well, you know, he's that type of signing. We don't need him. He can't possibly good, be good. So I think people started kind of bashing Cedric and Luis because they were kind of in proximity of uh, Willem. I always thought that was unfair because, you know, Luis came different circumstances. in in my opinion, I'm going to say overall has performed better than the mistakes he has made in, in the past. So I don't understand why they, they criticize him so harshly. As far as the left back slash right back thing goes – with Cedric, I think a lot of fans just ideally think we need two per position. So, you know, if they looked at Cedric as a right back for Bellerin, they're like, well, we can't possibly play him as left. But in reality, I mean, there's there's tons of times where the squads are small, so he could just, you know, fit in on, on both, just fill in when, when needed on both sides. So I don't see that as a big issue as far as bringing somebody in for the, for the window. Um, I think there was reports that we inquired about Fierpo from Barcelona. Um, I don't know how true that is or isn't, but I will say this. I will 100% rather rotate Cedric, given the quality that he's shown at that and shown the fans that he has, than rush purchase a, a a left back that might not be our long-term left back, you know, kind of in desperation type of thing. I, I, we We all been Arsenal fans for a long time. And we we all remember the you know last day of the transfer window madness and what that got us on multiple occasions. So I felt that it this is in my opinion, Arteta and I do have a clear and better way of moving forward within the transfer window. So it's no longer, hey, you know this agent, or hey, you know, you're cheap. It's more of a if the targeting of age profile that is way younger. And the fact that they're more relaxed about the, like, hey, if we can't bring in our number one, I think Arteta and Edu are working together and saying, hey, I could potentially make Cedric work both left-back and right-back when needed. And come the summer, we reevaluate. So um, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm okay. I, I know that a lot of people freaked out that Mainsley left, but the very subtle and few hints that Arteta gave just by making comments like, he needs to show how much he wants to be in the team. Kanda led me to believe that maybe his attitude wasn't, as Arteta once said, he wasn't on the boat. And if you're not, if you don't want to be on the boat, you could leave. So that's, that's the vibe that I get. I don't want to confirm anything. If there's any major Mainsley fans out there, I'm not trying to bash him or anything, but that's the vibe that I got based on the comments from Arteta.
1: I think the other thing I'd say won the transfers as well is I'd say ever since Pablo Mari came in, every, we've always kind of accepted that Arteta's got a plan for every single player that's coming in. We might not like the player that's coming in if his name is Willian and he's got ties to Chelsea and, Ra- and uh, you know, Keo Giraffka, but at least we've seen that he's got and taken every player and he's using them in the right way. I remember so much shit for us getting Pablo Mari in, but Arteta said straight away, I want a left footed center back. We didn't have one in the squad. So we got one in and he came in and played and he played well for a couple of games and then got injured, unfortunately. But we've got at least that understanding that every player he has got a plan for that came in uh, under his stewardship. I think there's the whole Saliba conversation uh, you know, he's got to think about 35 plus players in his squad that he said, and he's got a kid that came in and he was like, well, hang on. I hadn't really thought about you yet. Um, Can I just put you on the back burner again? But I would say everybody that he has purposely brought in with their do has been a perfect reason for it. And I think if uh, I'd go to actually another manager that he played under David Moyes this week said the reason West Ham didn't buy a striker is because they didn't need to buy for the sake of buying it's not that kind of window anymore you know covid has done a lot of things we can't get rid of our players to clubs making stupid decisions you know socrates or mustafi had west ham 5 million pound 5 year deal written all over it mm. last summer but because covid came in they had to think sensibly and it's been to be fair awful for us because we've got so much deadwood and that's why we couldn't get rid of it because clubs are being sensible
2: yeah. And just to piggyback on top of that, because I think that there was one aspect of that that's, that's important. I think, uh, and you kind of alluded to it at the end there. Uh, another thing is I really think that the, the goal of this transfer window was to get rid of that deadwood more so than focus on what we needed. So I really think that when you're looking at, and, and let me, let me, clarify that because it's not that we didn't want to focus on what we needed but I think when you're looking at the squad and Arteta seeing how these players are performing particularly players like Suarez I think that when you when you put the two side by side getting players out and then bringing them in he he as much said yes you know that's going to be the key here is just get rid of players that are not uh, not playing Mm -hmm. and that and I think that was the main focus so you know I I think that there was kind of a, a calculus that was done regarding how much effort and resources should be put into bringing players in versus what we had versus trying to get rid of them. And I think most of our our resources in the transfer window were spent on trying to get, you know, contacts with agents and other clubs to remove the, you know, the players that are no longer going, you know, surplus requirements or bloating the squad or whatever. So that's another aspect to it, I think.
3: Yeah, I think it started happening once they announced that 120 million loan, right? I, I, I could be wrong, but I remember that news broke. They received, and you know,
2: the, the, that money wasn't to be used for transfers. Obviously, right but for weight, and they, they were and, able to. And- and what sorry to interrupt, but and also, in, in, that's a great point. And in line with that, the that I forget his name, the guy from the Premier League who does all the contract negotiations. All of a sudden, we hire this guy that's you know, like has yeah, that, that has all of these this knowledge and basis and contract negotiations, and we start terminating contracts left and right. Yeah. That, that yeah, that, that
0: it's very obvious what was going on behind the scenes there. Very true. I'm um, just looking at a few facts about Suarez. I forgot he went on loan to Inter Milan two um this time, two years ago, with an agreed deal, uh, if they wanted him for nine point five million, and then we ended up paying what was it, um, five hundred thousand? Was it to get him on loan for rest of the mm. rest of his contract, and we signed him on a free. Very, very good deal, and I like him. I've, I mean, for me, when he first came to us and he scored that wonder goal, I thought, "That's it. He's 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 out there to impress." And to uh, I think all it took was he's 29 years old now. It just takes a few games for you to get back in your rhythm. At a new club, new 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 players, new everything, new surroundings. And he's not going to come straight in and, and be magnificent. It just shows that he just needed a run of two or three games. And now we're looking at him and going, "Well, you've just saved us 10 million. Really. We don't really need to buy a new left back or a new right back." And it showed Bellerin. You want to be on your mark. I wasn't sure the other day whether he's a left or right back. He's, he's predominantly a right back, mm-hmm. who now can see can play at left back. So that's that's really encouraging. Um, Josh, do you think we've had enough foreplay? Should we get straight into the um, the, the Villa game, the the Wolves game, <laughs> the Wolves game, and, and, and the incident? So we, we've already covered the fact that uh, we played pretty well for forty six point nine 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 minutes, and then it all fell apart. Josh, do you want to tell? In case anybody didn't know, do you want to do you want to give him a quick summary? And then, then go
1: um, and yeah, and Would you off. like Would you like the screen by screen exactly what happened, or would you like the slightly Arsenal biased uh, version of events, Danny? Well, I shall, I shall put this up so then you can't tell okay. a, you can't tell no lies. Okay, so I will say this starts from us giving a foul away on forty six minutes, um, and then I would say, what was it? Oh, uh David Luiz falls asleep a little bit. Um, you know, we don't stack up in time because we're like, well, the ref's gonna blow it anyway. You know, it's got 30 seconds left, and two minutes into injury time. Um they play a ball through. Uh David Luiz then goes on for a little bit of a run, ball goes into the box. Uh or was, was it um William Jose or Jose? I can't remember which one's which for Portuguese, if you say the J or not. Anyway, William uh he his boot um i think catches david louise's knee i mean you might need to get the picture up again yeah so then david louise is fouled because william's not going for the ball in that attempt and he's fouled our player that's what happens right and then nothing occurs from there and it's all fine um, or what actually happens in the other event is Craig Paulson um, known Midlander I don't know if he's from the Midlands but it's better for the, the thing he's a Sheffield United fan isn't he um, something like yeah he's from Sheffield uh, something about his family are all from Wolverhampton who knows uh, anyway wrong-uns the lot of them uh, yeah David Louise's little knee catches the stud uh, William goes down like a sack of potatoes and Craig Paulson's like alright um well it's a penalty. If ever I've seen one. I've seen a lot of penalties in my day. And it's like, well, hang on. Um which player was it? did it. No, it wasn't Rob Holding. Oh, David Louise. Yeah, no, I've got hang on. There's one of these in my back pocket. Yeah, it's the red one. Yeah, it says David Louise on it already, because I, I filled it out pre-game. Um so something Mike Riley asked me to do. Um something about spot fixing? I dunno. Anyway, so he gives the red cards to David Louise. VAR apparently has a look at it. Uh, they've just confirmed that you know the money's been credited into their Skybet account. Literally.
0: And um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll add an extra foil hat. And this is actually true. Uh, Mike Riley's uh, side hustle. He is an accountant by trade. Yeah, if anybody's going to hide money, it's going to be an accountant. They're excellent at it. It's their job. Um, sorry, I told everyone to bring their tinfoil hats beforehand. Um, mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, we get a man sent off and um Raul Neves um yeah you can see the contact is somewhere there I I think beyond, really yeah I think the understanding from the FA is all atoms are attached, so it doesn't even matter if there is contact. There is atom to atom contact. And <laughs> yeah, that's quite- actually
2: not. That's actually not how it works, believe it or not. So if we're if we're going by the atom theory, nothing actually okay. touches each other on the quantum <laughs> level. So
1: th- there's I'm no not, contact yeah. at all. If we're going to say it was Ant Man's fault, so it was Ant Man's fault because he's in the there quantum realm. But yeah, and he's in the pocket of the FA. That's what I've heard. So yeah, there we yeah. go. Are, that's actually um, true. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Is the, <laughs> it's the short of it. I've summed it up. I've summed it up. You don't need to know what Neves did with the penalty. He just put it in the top corner. Leno wasn't getting anywhere near it. He's an Arsenal goalkeeper. We don't save penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Neves only ever goes into the box to take penalties. So he scored. Yeah, bollocks.
0: There you go. Next. <laughs> yep. Well, anybody else want to want to refute what, what Josh is just scandalously made up about an innocent man. John, you, you sound like you, you could put uh you could defend him. All right. I'll defend him for the
2: sake of argument. Uh, uh, I'll defend him in so far first. Ah, oh man, this is difficult. I don't want to, but I will, uh, I, by the letter, <laughs> letter of, the, by agree. the letter of the law, that is a red card. It is a dumb law, however. And I think that the issue of this, this, this law is that, uh, it's not applied consistently, as we saw with the Southampton red card being rescinded and ours not being. So either they're both an unrescinded, uh, or they're both rescinded. So. In this case, you can't have one or the other. And that's the issue here. And that's the problem I really have with this whole thing is the consistency of application of the rule. You can argue that the rule is unfair all you want, but the rule is the rule. And you kind of mentioned if you have, uh, we were talking about it before the the podcast, if you have a certain amount of alcohol in your system, uh, it doesn't matter if you are just at that limit or just a little over it, it's against the law. You've, You've hit the limit, right? And it doesn't matter how unfair you think the rule is. Now, the problem goes is that when you have two different drivers with the same... Limit, or one of them even more, and one of them is being charged with the crime, and the other one isn't. That is where I'm with Femster 82, and it's infuriating. Uh, it is absolutely infuriating, and uh, that's the biggest issue I have really with Premier League as it pertains to how they apply the VAR and everything like that, this inconsistency. And there's all these conspiracy theories I have about how they, the refs don't actually like VAR. And I think they may use used a lot. Yeah, I know there's other uh, theories out there, but that they'll, they'll do whatever they can to kind of maintain the, the, the decision that's made on the field, which is evidenced by the fact that there's not very many refs decisions that gets overturned on VAR review, uh, even though we can even look at it and go, okay, this obviously should be overturned and when you look at the, the kind of application of the rules which i mentioned earlier and just kind of the fact that we seem to be the guinea pig for these rules that almost never get enforced like red cards and then uh never get seen again subsequently like i can think of Xhaka, that one red card that he had uh that we swansea. never saw another what yeah the swansea, swansea match i mean we, we yeah. never saw that ever being enforced ever again i think like the next match it happened again and, and nothing happened and the- so you get,
1: yeah. So I was say there's the other one. Let's go to a really minor level as well. Yeah. Foul throw rule. Foul throw rule. Oh yeah. We, all a know, it's a rule. we know it's a rule. Mm-hmm. But you tell me every single other Premier League game is perfect and flawless with their throw-ins. No. Because it's not. And and look, there's there's an there's an element of once a
2: player kind of gets a, a like a reputation for doing foul throws, then it becomes a little bit more of the ref's kind of Paying more attention to them, whereas in a lot of other games it might go under the table. But in, in terms, but but the foul throws and and the kind of weird rules that we own that are only enforced against us are just the tip of the iceberg. There are countless examples across the Premier League where uh, it, there's just. Poor decisions being made left and right. The rules are not being applied uh, equally, even with VAR. And and I'm I'm thinking about like challenges. We could just look back, and I'm going to use Arsenal because it happened to us that we were talking about a Fernandez penalty, where you know for uh, Fernandez foul, it should. It, are you telling me that's not even a yellow card? It's absolutely ridiculous. And the, it it really comes down to the level of refereeing in the Premier League and in the FA in English football. It is it is absolutely subpar it has been for a long time and i think with var now it's becoming even worse because now the decisions are being like kind of conformed to see what what the ref actually rules on the pitch and and here's the thing and and i mentioned this on when i was talking to mike the other week um when the ref is the center of attention on a match week they are not doing their job properly they're not doing their job properly something has happened uh, where they have not either let a game let the game state devolve to a point where there was some kind of a controversy or they've done something wrong. Either way, it looks bad upon the refs. And I've noticed with increasing frequency the refs per match week are becoming the center of attention, which is totally out which is not the way it should be. It's wrong. and and that it, they need to have some there's no accountability. There's no accountability for these refs. and that's that's a big problem here is that once they make a mistake like this, they have this power. and Unlike other sports, and we could talk about American sports, the refs in English football have way more of an effect on the determining outcome of a game than any other sport I can think of, uh, especially the ease in which and the, uh, the, the way that the laws are written that allow them to take a player out of the game immediately. No questions asked, no, no real review that actually has any meaningful effect on the game. That's it, just out of the game. You know, at least rugby has like a sin bin, hockey has like a sin bin. They don't have that in, in, in football. You, if you commit a certain enumerated defenses, you're out no matter what.
0: Anyway, I could rant about this all day, so I'm just going to pass on. Well, I have nothing to say about this because I don't oh. know the rules of the law. I'm just very angry, and it didn't look like it, uh, it really done much. Mike, you, you look uh, like you're, you're uh, about to burst.
3: Yeah, no, I'm equally as upset. I mean, something Avon Teddington put up in the, in the, chat remind i think it was from the chelsea or united i think it was from the united fan guys we have united fans defending us something should tell you guys that that's wrong but um if we're going letter of the law and everything um i'm going to piggyback on what john said it's 100 accurate unfortunately um however i'm going to continue with the law is insane and it's encouraging two really bad behaviors in in the sport so the law is encouraging defender like benarack and luis to take out a striker from behind so immediately you're encouraging more physicality and potential of injury on top of that you're encouraging in my opinion diving because somebody mentioned if there was any enough contact for him to actually go over and the answer to that is no i mean the way William jose fell over and flopped, it, there was not enough contact. So that's another thing that this rule is encouraging it needs to be changed like ASAP. If you think about it earlier in the game, twice uh, off of Saka's shots, he had a defender right on him, full contact. I think one one he had an arm on his shoulder, still got the shot off. The other one just pressing on him fell over, you know, the, the shot went just wide. So what am I supposed to understand from this? If that's the role, if the contact, he's making contact, way more contact than what Luis made on, on Will and Jose. Are you discouraging the player from trying to stay on his feet and take the shot? Or are you telling me that the best resource, the best thing that Saka could do in these positions, instead of take a shot, keep it honest, and give fans something that they deserve you're telling me that it's better off through this rule to just let yourself fall. It's, it's incredibly unjust. The, the, the role is completely insane. And, you know, as you guys said, we're, we're the piggy piggy, um, bank on this one. I don't understand how these things happen to us all the time, but it almost inevitably happens to us. And then within the same day or the week later, we see it not get called and, Look, I've had a lot of emotions on this. Uh, I told you guys earlier, I actually turned off the stream. Um, well, the Leno was the final, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But prior to this, I was obviously losing my head. And this is actually before me looking on Twitter because I was actually at work listening to the to the game on my phone slash kind of looking at it. And I'm, I'm already upset, but I'm not on Twitter because I, I like to go in and watch the game with a clear mind without – what Twitter told me to feel essentially. And so I'm looking at it, I'm infuriated, you know, it's it's going down. And then then I listened to Tom, credit to Tom. He, he took a lot of flack, uh, similar to like John, you know, he, he openly said it. And I, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that that's the rule, that it was a penalty and it was a red card, but unfortunately due to the stupid rule it is. And so I started calming down a little bit and I'm like, okay, it's the law. It's incredibly stupid. I could be chill about this. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And then the news about not rescinding our red card came out, but rescinding the Bednarock one. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. I can't remember his name out the gate. And that's where I'm like, Jesus, dude. I mean, the consistency has happened not only within the same game now, but the, the inconsistency is now happening you're, you're reviewing, it. it has to be the same people that are reviewing these plays. And the fact that you're you're letting one person off and the other not, and the fact that, as Evan, Evan mentioned in the United player, uh, the United account mentioned, the fact that you think because the game was already six zero seven zero, it's less important than the than the, the Luis one, it does kind of indicate to me an egotistical type of thing for the refs. They don't want to be wrong. Uh, I watch a lot of Serie A. And I can't tell you the amount of times I I, I just see the ref just like listening to the sign man like you know what I'm just gonna go look at it I can't tell you it happens so much in, in Italy where they just will go to the sideline no problem review the tape themselves and overturn themselves if need to be here in England I think there's an ego thing similar to to what John mentioned they don't want to be wrong they want to be the center of attention and so overturning it makes them look bad so they're like you know what no we're not we're just gonna Dig our hills into the ground and say, this is what it is.
0: But it is a very British I thing, think- Mike. Is uh, People in authority, in British people in authority, don't like to be questioned. To see, I'm not going to be in the COVID thing into it, but so many times you'll see British MPs saying, you will not leave your house, you will not do this unless you want to drive to Scotland and get an eye test And uh, when you can't see. Uh, There's constantly, we're, we're, we're always seeing judges that, are, that have been off noncing up children or we're seeing the priests and vicars noncing up children or we see um, policemen deciding to go and shoplift and think it's okay to do it people in authority in this country are a law unto themselves and they think they can get away with it and it's a very similar thing like pointing out like it is with with the referees they're scumbags on, I, I was gonna say just on uh the Southampton one
1: I think there is one point in the Southampton that makes it a little bit different to the Arsenal one and that's at the time on the field Martial the player that is fouled tells Mike Dean there is no contact and that's why it was rescinded because Mike Dean goes against what the player told him, said it was not a penalty. He didn't touch me. Mike went, fuck it. It's a penalty. I've given it already. Then Southampton come out and say, well, everybody told us, you know, everybody told the referee, it wasn't a foul and he gave it anyway. And we don't want him reffing our matches anymore. Because he can't be trusted. I
2: mean, but what's the point of VAR then? Because VAR was able to see if there was contact or not. And there was when you look or there wasn't when you look at the at the replay. But I like think the-
1: that's the that's the thing of exactly what Danny was saying, is the ego of the referee saying, I saw what I saw.
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with all There's of that. I'm just saying, it, yeah, I'm just saying I'm just that's saying the thing.
1: Yeah, when you're I
2: looking at when you have VAR and you have a video evidence of it, yeah. and then it's like they're still going. Yeah, well, you know, like what's the point of VAR then? What you know? If, if you're, yeah, if, I, if, I get your
3: I get your point, Josh. But uh, the team that won nine zero is more likely to say it wasn't a foul than the team that won two one when the penalty saved their ass. So that is true. And yeah, it's I, like yeah, Nuno I, Nuno's Espirito Santo was like two weeks ago. No, <laughs> the ref. And this this game is like, well, you know, gave no decision. You know, the ref had to do it. He's just doing his job. So, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd uh, say on ours, no, no, I'd sure. say what we were saying on the rule is that's not a hard and fast rule. Mm-hmm. All of the rules in there are open to interpretation and open up to how many times have you seen a full on brawl on the pitch and two yellow cards been shown for that? If you go into the rule book, there's red cards for violent conduct. You know, we've we seen players referees. butt up to each other. It's all about the referee managing the game. It's not a hard and fast rule book. There's some people going out there claiming that this is. Okay. It's not. It's very much a – there are some rules, you know, offside is offside and things like that. Well, yeah. We
3: have ex-refs that are disagreeing on it yeah. as well, yeah. to, to your point. Yeah, of. it's how yeah, you
1: it- manage the game. And And I think that's
2: that's exactly right. And the notion of it being open to interpretation is extremely important too. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about when the ref becomes the center of attention on a match, it's because they've lost control of the game state. It's because they are no longer able to kind of effectuate the kind of control over a match where they could ensure player safety or ensure, uh, you know, uh, making sure that the right calls are being made and we see it more often. And and that's the annoying part, just increasing in frequency. And And now with, Yeah.
1: Yeah, that exact rule that we're looking at in detail. Does anybody here think that when you look at that rule, it's meant to try and stop the challenges that Luis ended up making? No, not at all. No, everybody is assumed that is in there because someone's coming in cynically, two-footed, hundred miles an hour, getting a guy behind the knee. Mm-hmm. So you know, no attempt to play the ball, and takes the play and makes contact with the player. That's what David Luis did. Was not what that rule is there for. And I think that's the problem.
2: Yeah, it's this, and you you see this all the time when you're looking at actual criminal or civil laws, that Mm -hmm. there's this difference between when you're looking at a statute or a law itself, Mm -hmm. between the spirit of what the statute's supposed to be protecting and what the words actually are saying. And whereas Mm -hmm. the words might say yes, under the under the black letter of this law, that is a penalty. You got you know, that is where the 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 interpretation of the ref Mm -hmm. comes into that. Because the ref really needs to say, is this something I am going to ruin this game over? Is this the kind of foul that once this player is off, he's off, and now they have a red card? Now their season's affected for three games. Should I apply this right now? I have the right not to. I I don't have to call this penalty if I don't feel that the contact was enough to warrant it. Whatever, there is that ability that the the ref has. And, And to not utilize that is absolutely incorrect. And it's incongruous with the spirit of that rule, like you're pointing out.
1: Yeah, I was going to say bring it back to the analogy that I said about you know murder and manslaughter at the end of the day there's someone dead on the floor you know the result is the same thing but it's a very different way that we got to that end result and the punishment is different for it and I think that's where you know we just need to look at it and go you know what sensible that's not violent conduct that's not a red card in any sense of the word, someone go oh, in the rule. If you read it like this, it's mm-hmm. this, this, and this, and it's definitely the rule. But there's the application. There's the human side of the game, and that's where the referees, as I was kind of saying, and as you're saying as well, John, that you know, like a judge would, they take right. everything into account. It's not what this says. You know, it's a guideline.
2: Yeah, and you know what the evidence of that is? What was the last time you saw a penalty, a red card given for something like this? Ever? Can I? I even, You know, P, Twitter. Twitter mm. is the ultimate. Into a detective sleuth, uh, football <laughs> not, Twitter not, is right. Not, if, not, if this has ever happened before, you're gonna get third, you're gonna get people retweeting like, like snippets of it of a game, you know, where you know, it, 10 years ago, I. there are few and far between situations and i haven't seen one that's that's analogous where a red card was given for something like that it just and that's why it goes back to me being sick of being the guinea pig for this kind of stuff why all of a sudden now in this match against arsenal what given the momentum we have and yeah like obviously the, the circumstances in the league shouldn't affect whether the rule exists or not or whether the facts fit what the the law is and if it was violated but at the same time it's just really annoying it's really really annoying that we seem to be more often than not on the end of these kind of decisions and the worst possible moments and that seems to be what happened here and I think that's a lot of the the kind of rancor that Arsenal fans are and you know the injustice injustice that Arsenal fans are feeling right now.
0: Uh, a few things I want to mention that this made me think uh, Josh knows that um, throughout recent history of refereeing linesmen have put, after they've retired come out and said you don't question the referee we're, 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 we're the, third, with the third, fourth, fifth assistant. If the referee's done something wrong, you won't get a linesman going, uh, ref, no, that's bullshit. You've got that wrong. They don't do that, Josh. They shut up. There's, there's a hierarchy. Yeah, it's,
1: it's teams a, teams a very rare kind of group. You'll see the kind of – I remember the Howard Webb group of uh, referees. Yeah, that's the one. Hmm. Uh, and the ex policeman. that one. Uh, he was the, they had a good understanding. I think because they were kind of mates as well, but there's, uh, I was trying to think of the podcast. I think if you have to go right back to the magic sponge. So if anyone remembers that podcast with Jimmy Bullard and Rob Beckett, oh, yes. uh, they have Jeff Winter on and he goes through how much of a boys club that is. It's so cliquey. That's the kind of Graham Pole era of referees. There's a lot of, Um, I think interesting things to kind of read into that and some of the others about just general corruption. Every single top five, well, of all the top five leagues in football, all of them, bar one, have had a referee scandal. And I think we can all guess which one it is. And it's not the one with squeaky clean people. Because France has had it with
0: Marseille. There was Italy the European Cup, wasn't there? When, was it Malmo beat, beat Forest in the final or some something like that? And later, the referee came out and said, yeah, I was bribed. Uh, yeah, there was loads yeah. in Marseille. That's why Marseille were relegated. And although they won yeah. League 2 um, twice in a row, they didn't get – what twice, the second time, they got let them get promoted. Juventus, yeah. relegated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think other teams have had Germany titles. Germany had
2: it. Didn't, didn't Mark Hasley come out and straight up say that there's kind of fixing going – like the, the – did, did anyone remember that quote from him?
3: I think he, he he said what Josh had said where you the third does they don't quite if you see something Here, you don't question it.
2: It's it's more than that. So I'm looking at the quote now. Mm-hmm. Uh and someone could correct me if i if I'm misquoting this, but from what I'm, I just kind of did a little research. He says, I've been in that situation when I have seen an incident and been told to say I haven't seen it. To be, to be fair to the FA, it's not them. It comes from within the PGmol the Professional Game Match Officials Limited. It does not stop there. We've been told to give a certain amount of corners, throw-ins, fouls, bookings, etc. Premier League is rife with spot fixing and bias towards certain clubs from the FA. Every referee in the Premier League could be in front of a court one day soon. Now, that is absolutely crazy and this is, that, is, a, is that
0: actually is
2: that an actual quote because i R- john said that was wasn't true okay i that's what i'm seeing yeah. right now if that's not i hope that's not true because Everton that's tweeted it though, or it was on the Everton website were. And, and the ever. independent reported on it as well at one point so uh you know i'm well just to, to fact check myself i'll go take a look but this is if that's the case like that's exactly what you're talking about right here and the fact that they're like they're not even they're not even, I mean, what would the governing body be at that point? It's like if the foxes are in charge of the hen house and there's no, it's like, and and if that's the case, there's always going to be potential issues where there's self-regulation going on. And if both are in on it, then, and we're going to put on our tinfoil hats. It's absolutely ludicrous that that's the case. So I'm going to look it up because I don't want that to be true. This is just something I remember looking, uh, I remember seeing. And uh, like I said, I'll fact check myself on this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Danny, You'd remember our Steve always mentioning about the uh, referees and how, you know, it's ingrained in even the rulemakers that the um, English FA have too much power because it's the English, the Welsh, the Scottish FAs all have power to rewrite the rules and then everybody else gets one vote. And, you know, the UK FAs. Have the rest of the votes? Yeah. They they, so, make, they set the rules out here. So
2: in September fourth, two thousand sixteen, Samuel Stevens wrote a, a, an article for the Independent. Uh, it was it, where they kind of give the context of these claims that Hazley was making, uh, Housley was making after Sergio Aguero was charged rep- retrospectively with violent conduct, and this is where he quotes that uh, that that language, uh, and he confirmed an incident in two thousand eleven between Stoke and Blackburn, and then on Twitter he was he went. And, and made that statement. So, uh, you know, and then it looks like Gary Neville at some point re- responded to him saying, Mark, I'd like to know who told you to say that at FA and at Premier League. Think you have a major issue on your hands. And then, so it, it gets, it gets summarily denied by the FA naturally. Yeah. And I don't know, I, you know I, I haven't done enough research to see whether there was any kind of retrospective investigation or anything or any follow-up or anything, but... If that's the case and what he's saying is true, it points to exactly the kind of thing that you're alluding to regarding all of these other clubs across football or these uh, countries across football and the issues that they've had. And, and, And you're right to think that the Premier League is devoid of any kind of culpability in any way at any point in its time, given the money that's flowing through the Premier League. And the and, and what we see just from, from Sky and these other uh, controlling things like match times and changing them to fit to better suit the kind of bottom line of what they're trying to make in terms of profit, it's absolutely ludicrous the the, the rational position to take is that there's probably something fishy going on.
1: I think Danny, would you remember the Liverpool from the eighties and the referees then? Because I'm sure that was floating around then Never got as well about for about hundred years. Yeah. There was
3: people alive in the eighties?
0: <laughs> Do you think that maybe the answer to this could possibly be having a, a pool of referees from all over the world and you don't referee in your own country? Because someone, talks talk sport years ago, and I used to listen to it, went through all the referees and they said, there's no southern referees, they're all from the north. <laughs> And that's mm. where you've got, the, as, as we all know, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Everton and all and, all, and Blackburn and all that lot. And they were just showing you getting the favourability all the time. Because they have to, when a referee um, becomes a referee, they have to say what team they support. And it's, a, it's weird how so many referees all support non-league teams or, or minor yeah. teams. <laughs> yeah. We know who needs support. Well, there's yeah. no, last time they looked, yeah. I, I read about this, there was not a single one who was born, who, who, who comes from anywhere south, more south than Peterborough kind of area. Hmm. We need yeah, what we that- is to have all of Europe to get together and have a pool of referees and you don't referee. Because at the moment, if you're an Arsenal fan, you're not allowed to referee on an Arsenal game. So yeah. if you're English, you don't ref- ref- referee in the English league. I mean, already the English referees don't referee at the World Cup and they're so shit. We had one decent referee and he went off to um, the Middle East to do um, teach refereeing out there. And he was apparently the only decent one. But as, but but in other countries, when you have a job, you do that job with pride to the best of your ability. You don't do that as a referee in this country. You do it to make yourself look good and have no one question your authority. And as long until that stops, it's never going to end.
1: Yeah, and I agree, Danny. That we've got a we've got the best league in the world, apparently, or self titled it might be best league in the world. We import talent from everywhere. You know, get the best players in the world. And we stick with the same referees, who, yeah. as you kind of say, all seem to weirdly support non-league sides. And I think it's a little bit um, convenient. Conv- yeah, definitely convenient. And I'd say the reason why a lot of s- probably referees who are from the south is because most people in the south support Premier League sides, because there's not many. There's not as a density that you have, especially in the northwest, where you have you know, Liverpool, Everton, and then you get the Trammeers and you get, uh, well, Marine that we saw in the FA Cup. You got all of these tiny little sides. You can just pick and choose when they say Tranmere. Yeah, they used to be big. Now they're tiny. They're not going to be a problem mm-hmm. for anyone. Um And I think it's the same that if you'll never get a, a London referee, let's put it that way,
0: because the chances get- are.
2: This yeah. is one of the big sides. Yeah. They're gonna,
0: they're gonna, From sorry, the 28th of October last year, Michael Oliver, is a Newcastle United fan, apparently, um, from Ashington, which is up north. Martin Atkinson, Brad, Bradford, Leeds fan. Anthony Taylor uh, from Manchester, Altringham fan, non-league team. Mike Wirral from Merseyside, Tranmere fan. I think they're in, like, are they non-league now? I think they, they've had a bad time. Chris Kavanagh, Manchester, unknown Jonathan Moss, Sunderland, Sunderland fan. Craig Pawson from Sheffield, Sheffield United fan. Never, never refereed a Sheffield United Sheffield Wednesday, Doncaster, or Rotherham match. Referee one, refereed one match. All from South Yorkshire clubs. Paul Tierney, do we care about Stuart Atwell? None Eaton Sports Luton. I mean, none Eaton. How can you be from none eaten and support Luton? Only Arsenal fans support Luton. David Kevin Friend from Bristol and supports Bristol City and Leicester. I mean, there you go. How can you support two teams? Andre Marinoff from Birmingham supports Villa. <laughs> it's too obvious. Obvious. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's ridiculous. I think there's, The, the I worst think there's one a good- is the Altrincham one, yeah. to be honest. Because if anybody who knows England knows how big Altrincham is as part of Manchester United now, nah, you, oh.
0: you grew up a United fan or you grew up a City fan. Hmm. Andy it's- Madley uh, is from Huddersfield. Oliver Langford from West Midland. Uh, no, uh, Robert Jones, Merzah, Tim Robinson from Middlesex-on-Sea. All three of those have got listed as unknown who they support. I'm going to put the article in our in our chat so people can go and have a look at it themselves. Just to, just
2: to say something because I think I think that's a great point about uh, you know maybe that would help things. And I think that in that with something that could help, that's not necessarily mutually exclusive in terms of a, of some kind of a tool that we can use to ensure kind of the you know safety amongst the refs and the the kind of validity of that profession itself, if you can call it that. Really, I mean, it's not really a professional association, but um just having an enforcement mechanism to hold them accountable right now there really isn't much there's there's no like there's not much of a disincentive for them to get things wrong or there's not really a policing agency that kind of really has any teeth in what they can do to enforce it and when you have an organization that does not have the ability to be properly enforced you're going to have problems with that such as maybe corruption such as uh, lack, you know, a, uh, a severe drop in efficacy of that organization in terms of like how they're actually enforcing their rules and, and governance, you know, governing themselves. So when you're looking at a situation where there isn't a, a way to kind of slap them on the wrist or that there isn't some kind of a deterrent for them to do what they do, it's going to keep happening no matter who is in, you know, what nationality you're from. So I think in addition to maybe minimizing the ability of bias by putting in foreign uh refs, I think they need to really bunker down and put a microscope on how uh these refs are held accountable and, and what and what is doing the the policing of these refs and how they're operating. Cause it's clearly, in my opinion, not up to par with the the level that the Premier League, like
0: you were saying, claims to be. So that's kind of my thought on it. Can we talk about um, how the, the country that first started having video referees was was the USA? Uh, I'm sure it was. You have it for all major sports over there, and we were talking about it a little bit before the show started. Mm-hmm. So, um, Josh, uh, do you want to lead this bit? Because I've got an no, eye out of my depth. I, I, I hardly watch it. I watch a bit of NASCAR, and I don't think it's applicable <laughs> in NASCAR. And my, my, when I watch the Miami Dolphins, they just lose, so I give up. So, Josh, um, talk about that.
1: Yeah, I will try my best as somebody who started watching American sports very late into, I think, you know, it's kind of time where some were picking up football in like 2012 time. But something that we've always seen, certainly in American football is the sheer number of referees and how every call goes to um, judicial, um, you know, video referees see them. So, Guys, I think to you growing up, I suppose, with this kind of uh, technology in place, how how do you have it working in such a streamlined way? Is it purely down to, and I'm going to go with the lazy one, if it's the pace of the actual sport? You know, the NFL has, you know, it's just adverts. That's all it is. It's adverts and then there's some football played. Yeah. How does it kind of integrate? Is it that kind of partnership of the, the pace of the game or is there more to it? I'll come to Mike first on that.
3: Yeah. No, I, I just think it's, it's streamlined because there's way more people on deck and there's a lot more communication going on. So there's uh, you know, he's talking about egos and hierarchy. There's none, uh, you know, when something gets called, it, it's off. like, if we're talking about NFL, right. It's the, the sidelines that they're wanting to throw the flag, right. Then they go into the middle, have the conversation, also, a lot of it is taken out of their hands in the sense that they reunite, they have a full blown com- conversation. Everybody's connected to it. While they're they're discussing it, there's also somebody in a booth reviewing it, which is my biggest thing. If the for me VAR could potentially get a lot better if they got a group of ex referees, a panel of three, to review a play, whatever whatever play they seem they deem reviewable. And that panel should be able to overturn what happened on the field. Um, That for me removes the concept of the main referee down the field to say, my own ego is not allowing me to say that I got that wrong. So that that's my opinion. So on that, as far as the streamlining, yeah, I mean, sure. You could, you could argue that it's, we're, we're a little bit more accustomed to it. The fact that there there are you plays, there's commercials and whatnot, something that, I mean, I don't, as as a football fan, first and foremost, I don't, I wouldn't want to see a commercial in the middle while they're reviewing the bar, To be completely honest with you, but I think it just it boils down to how many people they have officiating the match at one point in time and the open communication that they have. I, I don't see that line of communication amongst refs in football, so I, I think that's where they should start. But as of right now, uh, unfortunately, we got zero worth of that
1: yeah john uh, yeah yeah was, so uh,
2: you fine. you mentioned you mentioned the speed of the game i think when you look at something like hockey for example um it's extremely fast and it's very difficult to see the puck moving it's very you know even the offsides are very 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 uh quick it's the fastest team sport in the world so surely you know they're going to be some difficulties yet they get it right a lot of the time um and and just the way that the rink is set up it's also hard to get that kind of um to get the effective use of of video imagery so that you can actually see the kind of intricacies of a a particular play to judge whether there's been an infraction or not. Whereas something like football, which is open and there's all these cameras everywhere and all this technology designed just for that. Um, One thing I do want to mention is that first of all, American football rules are super complicated. I don't know if you ever try to look at the rules for American football, but you need like a law degree just to kind of figure them out. And some of the best refs in, in uh in American football, actually, have been referee uh, lawyers. So, and and that's uh, neither here nor there. But, but one thing I do want to kind of touch on, and it's it's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. There is an enforcement mechanism in American football for bad ref calls. Every single call that these ref these refereeing teams get reviewed by the NFL, the National Football uh, League. And um, if you make bad calls, you'll get downgraded. You won't get big games anymore. You won't get the the kind of big matches you won't get as many games and if you do it enough you lose your job you know there is this there is this kind of way of enforcing poor quality to keep the overall quality of refereeing up right and i and i just just the way that the nfl is is maintained there's way more oversight i think when it comes than than there is in, in english football um and it's or european football and it's kind of annoying right because yeah, they're all the commercial breaks and that would be stupid, but you're getting the right call many much of the time, right? There's a consensus about the rule and very and more seldom, it's not like every week, like here where we're seeing a ref making a bad call and it's ruining a game. Um, you're you know, they're very it's not like an instance where First of all, it's a more con, it's bigger contact sport, right? So, um, there's less of a situations where you're getting a player ejected from the game. And given the nature of a football team and how many players there are, it doesn't affect the outcome as much usually, you know, where there's a lot less to choose from. You have a very, you have 11 players in your bench versus, you know, there's a little bit more kind of ability to move around in there. I don't want to get stuck too much on football point is the point is is that it goes back to what I'm saying about enforcement there is enforcement about refereeing in in American sports um and I think that that needs to be carried over the most if there's anything that I could say about refereeing in general and the comparison between American sports and and uh European football is especially in the Premier League is that there needs to be an enforcement for the refereeing the refereeing the level and quality of refereeing in the Premier League is abysmal. It's shockingly bad for, and I'm going to say it again because I think it bears repeating for a league that claims to be the, the the pinnacle of the sport. It is exceedingly poor when it comes to refereeing and the quality of refereeing, and that needs to change. Or else, it's just going to—I yeah, don't know. I—I I, I can't even. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm sorry. It's just like so. <laughs> I was just saying, I hate. I hate having to talk about the referees at, like every other game week. It's so ridiculous that we have to do this. I just want to watch and enjoy a football game. We're playing so good, and then this. Uh, yeah, and I said one of
1: the night, things that
3: another point so of view does. that Americans do is sometimes they interview the referees, or sometimes the referee when he makes a massive mistake he'll actually come out and apologize and make, and say, hey, I made that mistake. And it could have affected, you know, like an NBA, right? Uh, a foul could really, towards the end of the game, really influence the outcome of the game. And they'll put themselves out there and make, make the apology. Going back to what John said, there's accountability. They're not only to the people that are above them, but there's accountability towards the fans to say, hey, my bad, this was a mistake that I made. That I don't think will ever get to a point where that's going to be the case for us um, in in European football, soccer, whatever you guys want to call it. Um, to to um, Oh, I said the S word. Um, so that the accountability factor, as John alluded to, is, is, is madness. And I think somebody mentioned that in rugby, not that I watch it, but mm. I've heard this before, where when the referees have a conversation, you audibly, you could actually hear what they're saying. Yep. Yep. Here there's, there's zero. So, I mean, that, that's
2: also, they also wear cameras. Crazy. Sometimes in rugby, the refs are wearing cameras that they'll actually go. You'll see them in the scrum and, and, and arbitrating things. You actually see the conversation. Imagine in the premier league, but that, that being, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
3: (laughs) There's also where you're like, how did you see that Fauci? Yeah.
2: Yeah. As someone who's played, who's played rugby, I can tell you that the, the approach to rugby players to the refs in the game are very different than, than the football players to the refs in a game. And there's kind of a joke that, you know, rugby is uh, a game of like savages, uh, played by gentlemen and uh, football is a game of gentlemen played by savages, especially when it comes to the rush. It's a rough, rough kind of way of saying it, but the, you can tell what the, you know, F off you hear the, the, in English football, that would never happen in rugby. It's very rare. They're super respectful to the, to the refs, at least in my experience.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the things I was going to bring it into was the fact that I think the communication is one big thing. And certainly I've been to a couple of NFL games, uh, as well as a few rugby games as well. And the communication there you get from the refs, I think that's a huge thing that football in its kind of uh, arrogance doesn't want to say, oh, we'll be taking these things from this sport and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Even Hawkeye, we never mention that oh, that's technology that we've taken from tennis. It's, this is Hawkeye. This is, we've got this. It's great, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. especially for football. And you're like, this is the stuff that tells you if the tennis ball's out. Um It's the same fucking technology. Uh, Get over yourselves. But I think that's one of the big key things. And to go back to um, a a guy that – I call him a guy. I'm going to talk about Arsene Wenger. One of the big things that he mentioned when VAR came in is that we've got two Premier League stadiums without monitors in them uh, or without big screens in the stadium, and they're Old Trafford and Anfield, don't have them in place. And I think that stops this big communication. That's the key thing. Like whilst we say, you know what, we'll never accept that there's a two minute gap to get to the right decision. If the referee is talking and there's something for you to understand and the play is moving in your mind, it's a bit like being stuck in traffic or do you take the longer route? You know, mm-hmm. you, you can go five minutes out of your way or you can sit in three minutes worth of traffic. You know what? It's The traffic's going to feel longer because you know what? You're not moving. And that's, I think, one of the things that if the referees manage the game better, you don't notice the gap. You don't, man- you don't notice it goes on for longer. I remember when I was watching NFL games. Obviously, when I'm watching it live in the stadium, you don't get the adverts as much. So there's other things going on that take your, that they, they distract you mm-hmm. in that time whilst you're waiting for a referee to make a call on the field. You're just like, oh, come on, hurry up, mate. I'm waiting for the football to come back on. They should do what they do in the NFL, just get cheerleaders or something. Exactly. Get a T-shirt cannon out. Shoot it at me. Yeah. I want a T-shirt. The, I can't afford to have the decent seats. Stick a, like, a NOS Crystal, can on the Crystal end Palace of it and get it, it up to the top.
0: Crystal
2: Palace uh, had the cheerleaders, in there.
0: They did. They all did did. back in the day. Lots of them did. Um, A couple of things. If people are listening at home and wondering about that list of referees, I'll put it in the 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 show notes. So it'll be on our website. It'll be in the blurb underneath the YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, blah, 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 uh, MySpace, and all that lot. Oh Jesus! I went back too far. (laughs) I got a bit carried away there. So, uh, yeah, there was one other thing I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was. It was um, – nope, completely forgot It was forgot thing, that it going to
1: be insightful, Danny. That's what I can tell you mm. uh, whilst mm. you find what else you were going to segue on to.
0: No, can't remember it. I should have made a note, but I didn't want to interrupt you lot you were talking so so lovely about it all. So, uh, yeah. Um, is there anything um, else we need to cover about that? Do you think uh, – what's the, what's the, I suppose the question that we can try and fix here is what's the future of VAR? Because someone put in the chat already this season, they brought out new regulations for the beginning of the season and they've changed them already. If you go back far enough in football, the the FA keep fucking, keep messing around with stuff. The nine-step rule when it comes to a goalkeeper and then it was a three-second rule with a goalkeeper and then it's um, whether your testicle can be offside and all these stupid things. Is there a way that we can make it so that VAR actually works unless it's keeping the referee's family in the room at gunpoint? I think one thing for me, um, just to make it really simple, is just
1: humanize VAR. Every time we talk about it, we talk about it as like an entity, as something that doesn't, like robotic, that it's a... Terminator. You know, exactly. That it's just some being that decides this. It's like, no, give it a name. You know, VAR stands for the Video Assistant Referee, just as much as the linesman's got a name. I mean, it's a bit funny how I think only... Almost all of us can only name one linesman, and it's the female one, like in the Premier oh, League. Asking. Exactly. There you go.
2: Is everyone? Is, is anyone like that? Sh- like, think about it. If we we've been sitting here talking about how poor the quality is of English re- refereeing is, and we're wondering the the the, the VAR who are being roll like controlled by English referees, why they're not getting the right decision? It's like the blind leading the blind.
1: So yeah, you know. And why can't we? have, when they're talking to the VAR, see a little pop-up on, you know, this isn't great for in the crowd, but why at TV can't we get a little little camera of just like, oh, by the way, here's what they're currently doing in the studio. It would look like they're at NASA, but with a load of retards at the screen, but yeah I and mean, you know, it would still at
2: least help us out. You know what American football does? American football has a rules expert that comes on that that gives what they think is being assessed right there so as they're reviewing on tv instead of them going, instead of having like lee dixon talking about like oh you know back in, that would never be a foul in my day like it's someone's going like i'm an expert in the rules this is this is likely what they're looking at this is this is how they need to come out and then you can assess a little bit more accurately what you know what they came out whether it was right or wrong they actually have a ref in in like the studio that's talking about what the rule is and what they're looking at. So it's simple as that. Like you said, it won't affect the in field, but at home watching the game, you won't be like, "What's going on?" You know, why is uh, you know, whoever just kind of, yeah, whatever. I'm so stick with it.
0: The whole the whole point of football <laughs> is to <laughs> score goals, So the referees are far too eager to. I mean, look how many goals have been disallowed this season for stupid reasons. Yeah. They're too eager to to get rid of goals. To say that was offside or that this or that, to, to to send players off to just ruin the game by VAR. But so we think, should we take the VAR off them? Well, then they'll have absolutely no recourse to go, actually, look at that, you were wrong. The only way we can do it is, like in Sky, when we're watching TV, BT or Sky or any of those other ones, or in the USA, whichever ones you're watching, and Canada and all those other warm places that uh the people in the studio can look at it and they come to a conclusion within 10 seconds. What's the longest this season a referee has taken using VAR? My mum doesn't understand a thing about football. She could figure it out quicker. Has hasn't there been one of those like six or seven minutes of back and forth, back and forth? And it's not just the Premier League, Josh, because I heard, I saw a little bit of an interview with the Paderborn played Richard Dortmund in the German Cup. And the uh, the the manager was going mental about something. I don't know what it was because it was in German, and I will disagree <laughs> with him. But there, it's, it's, there, there's no way to fix this, is there? And let, I mean, if if the, the people on TV can figure it out, why can't the, the FA? Why can't the, the referee and the, the people uh, whatever park it is, Sketchley? Is it Sketchley Park? That sounds like dry cleaners. Oh Stop yeah, Sketchley is dry cleaners. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. Do what you want uh, with that. Well, yeah, I
3: should yeah Mike, to... should will take that. I was going to say, to Josh's point about humanizing VAR, I think there's, they need to get rid of the, the clear and obvious error thing that they're trying to push. Because if we're looking at one of the, the offsides of the Southampton Manchester United game, dude, you, you can't roll somebody else offside because his hand, it, literally his hand is offside. That's where the clear and obvious thing just kind of becomes nonsense. When somebody gets a ball, a defender gets a, a ricocheted ball, from a yard out that hits his hand and you like literally he could be like this it hits his hand the call a penalty i don't know where this getting you could just ask any fan i mean look john john call it a uh it a role expert look just get a fan and and they'll tell you like listen guy i used to play there's nothing you could do you can't get your hand out of the way in that circumstance so they're so they're trying so desperately to be we are 100% accurate based on this, and they're, they're losing sight of what football is because there's plenty of penalties and offsides and disallowed goals that we're seeing that you look at it and you're like, sure, like the tip of his fucking finger is offside, but is that really a reason? And, and I don't know where that came from, that Southampton one, just for example, because my interpretation, my human interpretation of the law was always – hey, I thought it had to be a a body part in which you could score with. And then you get hand, and you're like, wait, I don't understand. Where are you coming up with this? So it's horrible. I want to – I'm going to throw this out there. I I know we haven't – we're talking about refs and VAR. I desperately, desperately would like an opportunity for a role to be implemented where a defender or a player, be it the manager or the captain, could be like, excuse me, ref, I would like to respectfully call bullshit can you review that for diving and or retrospective punishment for diving? Because it's something horrible within the game. But, and I, I bring this back all the way back. This is when it occurred to me for the world cup uh, final, where the first France goal, it wasn't in fact, it was like Pogba that dived. It wasn't an actual yeah. foul. Obviously they, they do the, the center, the cross. Um, and it's the first goal for France. Now I understand that France most likely would have won that game. But my thing is the defenders telling the ref, I'm pleading with the ref, dude, he dived. Dude, I didn't touch him. Review, you know, the replay comes on, never touch them. I feel like they should be within the game, can be like, hey, respectfully, can you review that, please? I feel like a player should be able to call that. And I think it, it would make the game a little bit more honest, knowing that the other team has the power to review something and be like, listen. This guy was already with his hands up in the air before there was even contact. And I think that would at least in the player's psyche keep it a little bit more honest. I think that they would second they would think it a little bit over before just diving the way that they do.
1: Yeah, and I think there's also the case of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater as well, to put it away that VAR, we can see it isn't necessarily working as how we want, but that doesn't necessarily mean scrap it. That's not, Mm -hmm. you know, Danny, you were saying there was a problem with, uh, in the Bundesliga, there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a mistake. Uh, I remember back two seasons ago, because it worked in my favourite, maybe three seasons now, uh, I'm an LA Rams fan. And now you can remember which decision I'm probably going to mention now uh, on the route to the Super Bowl final (laughs) against the Saints. Mistakes happen. Yep. Yeah, that's a big old mistake. Obviously, yeah. I'm loving it because I'm on the right side of it. Uh, and John Welsh, our resident Saints fan, will be livid that uh, yeah. you know we got that decision because I just laughed at him at two in the morning or wherever it actually came through. Right, but it's it's that kind of understanding that there is that kind of humility as well as like humanity, yeah. you know, kind of humanizing the thing that there will be mistakes, but you know what, we're still going to have a better percentage record than what we had beforehand. And to bring it right back almost full circle to uh Fernandez and the stamp on the back of Xhaka, we all know that's definitely a yellow card. Right. Definitely. But V A R can only review if it's a red and it says it's not a red. Because it's not, it's probably a yellow. And you know, with with fans, we're gonna say it's probably a red. But if you just said go and have a look at the monitor ref at that point, he probably gives a yellow. Because you know what? That needs to happen. And if, if Fernandez has got a yellow card for that tackle, I think most of us would be like, okay, fair enough. We think yeah. it's red, but at least he got a card for it. No. And I think that's the problem. There's too many rules for, as we say, why VAR isn't coming in. Um, yeah.
2: Hundred percent, and yeah. to, and go. If we're as long as we're g- circling back, it really again, it's the blind leading the blind. I don't think you're going to see an, a, any right. kind of increase in quality of VAR until you see an increase in quality of the the refereeing in English football in general. That means a, that means transparency, that means uh, more accountability, that means uh, a, a more clarification on certain rules of the game because I think a lot of them are very nebulous and opaque, mm. and I think that it leads open to interpretations and and uh, absurd results. So it needs to be this kind of totality mm. of of formation in in the game and it doesn't matter how many times they go and look at it on a screen if the quality of english refs are low like you said it's a human error it's it it doesn't matter how a bar is never going to get any better
1: yeah exactly and danny yeah. pass it back to you uh,
0: um, S. Yeah. yes um, sorry sorry, so um, i was just looking at the the Paderborn dortmund thing it was in the german cup um Uh, Dortmund uh, ended up winning it 3-2 Paderborn got a penalty in I think the 95th minute and then Haaland went down the other end and scored and it wasn't ruled out by VAR when they think it should have been and then uh, yeah so it's not just there it's all over the place so uh, yeah I think so if you had to put in one sentence how you fix this mine would be have a pool of of European referees and they don't referee in their own country Uh, Josh what do you reckon? Uh, I think they put we put Edu in charge and he gets rid of the clique because
1: he's shown over this uh, January he's excellent at doing so. Sneaky, John. <laughs> uh,
2: accountability, transparency, and increase, increasing the overall efficacy of the refereeing, the quality mm-hmm. of refereeing. Okay, Mike.
3: I'm going to go with the idea
2: of a panel that reviews reviewable
3: plays that take the, the final say out of the ref's hand. And let three ex players or ex referees or a combination
0: review what's going on. That that would be Gary Neville, Steve McManaman, and Stephen Gerrard on that panel every week. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Scratch that then. Okay. Right. Let's um go into some some questions. We've only got a handful. We've got three about three or four minutes to get this done. Right, Josh from Sam Fishery. Mm. Guys, uh, do you I think? think it's it's, time... I think it's Sam Fisher. Sorry, is then put high. Oh, high 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Fisher or Fishery as he shall now <laughs> known, be <laughs> known. Do you think it's time we deploy foreign referees in the Premier League? I do. Um, yes. just agree. Agree,
1: best league in the world, best players from all over the world, but we only have English referees.
2: John? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a start. It's def- They definitely need some kind of uh, – it's way too homogenized. and There needs to be some kind of an input uh, from other foreign uh, refs. Mike? Yes, sir, absolutely.
3: It's a uh, different culture, brings different <laughs> habits. So I, I think it, it'd be great that the English refs start to be <laughs> – Compared in contrast yeah. to
1: foreign and how, how they see things and potentially, could, you know, could I add one thing to it though? I'm not saying just bring in loads of foreign referees. I would say bring in the best, the best. referees, yeah. the best of the best, you know, don't bring in foreign referees for the sake of not having the English ones there. It's have the best referees available because we are the best league. We're professional, you know, there's only two leagues that have professional refs. Yeah. Us and Italy pay them the big bucks, you know, We've got Spanish refs out there. We can go, you know what? Well, don't have to run that second job anymore. You will go into a professional network. We'll pay you, you know, it's something like 100000 a year, maybe 100000 a week. Get the best in because we're the best league in theory and we should be paying okay.
0: and getting the right refs in for that. I remembered my point I was going to make earlier. Joe Rogan's newest guest is a MMA referee. He was uh, a military uh, air fighter. God, well, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Flo- flew planes for the Air Force, <laughs> and he has worked at NASA. Go and listen to the podcast. And he says, as a referee, the only time I want anyone to hear my name is at the beginning of the mat, the beginning of the fight. John gets it. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> That's- that- right. I think John agrees. I think John. <laughs> I don't he's want to there. know
2: if the referees in my, in my sport. I don't want to know who you are. You don't, you don't want their boots to have their name? Why, why am I looking up what the referee is against the Aston Villa match before the game?
0: I shouldn't care. I shouldn't care about that. I shouldn't know going into that mess. So go and listen to Joe Rogan episode uh, 1605 with Mark Smith. Lovely, love. One of the most interesting guests he's had in ages, right? Uh, next question from Julian Salmondo, who has moved to Iceland. He's, he's had too much of the warm weather. He says, uh, "Start with you, Mike." Question: Out rate right out of ten, the transfer window. He says personally he would give it an eight. Lot of deadwood out and creative, creative midfielder in. Although I think we should have looked for cover at left back. So, Mike, uh, if you can do that in a sentence or less, that'd be brilliant.
3: Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna see a nine. I agree with all the outs. I think they were substantially more important than the ends. Uh, we spoke extensively earlier in the podcast how Cedric is capable of covering for Tierney when he's gone. So I understand that the the idea of having a a backup left back and a backup right back being separate is appealing to fans, but I think having a smaller squad and building the chemistry, it's much more important. And then now that we are playing with a 10, I think Udegar was a must, even so over a left back. So I'm completely happy that we have somebody that Long term, eventually, maybe even this weekend, we don't know. Uh has been playing a lot of minutes, uh, might potentially even start over Row. So I think the 10 slot is integral for the four, two, three, one that we're currently playing. And I think we could all agree the less that we see William, the better. So let's not start him there in that pocket and uh hopefully let's uh, Odegaard, uh have a full time debut and have a good game.
2: Jump. Sure. Uh, I will give it like a 7.5, probably more of an 8 uh, out of 10. And for many of the reasons that Mike said, uh, just to mention, we also signed a goalkeeper, which was, I think, imperative. Um, and that was kind of at a left field, uh, which was very, very uh, promising. I think that he's very, he, he has a lot of quality and obviously he's been injured or whatever it was. But I think that once he can kind of get his stuff together, I think that's going to be a good signing. And then, um, yeah, Odegaard, I, I, Odegaard, I, whatever. I, um, I, Whatever, Martin. Uh, yeah. uh, I uh, I remember when when he he signed for when he signed for Real Madrid. He was this wonder kid, and I was really kind of jealous. I was like, man, I, I wish we signed wonder kid. We always say that we have a wonder kid, you know, in like Walcott or Fabregas, and then it, or Wilshire. It just never ended up working out, you know. So. Uh, I was kind of wishing that we had one of those. And I remember distinctly thinking that as they signed him. So it was kind of interesting, almost fortuitous, that l- later on, five years later, we end up signing him five, six years later. So that that's exciting to me. I would have loved to sign a left back backup as as great as Cedric has been. Um, you know, given Tyranny's kind of uh, precariousness with his injury, I, I think it would have pushed it over the line. But like Mike said, the most important thing was just cutting a lot of dead weight and getting a lot of those uh, – getting a lot of those – wages off the book because really what that signaled to me is that they're going to put a lot of faith behind Arteta and <laughs> it is warm <laughs> if you stand next to my, they're going to put a lot of faith in Arteta in the summer market and hopefully that kind of pans out Joshy
1: boy yes give it a <laughs> the question isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember what my rating because I believe I answered this question before no, as we well really no one we care no, really cares do they uh, mm-hmm. number between 1 and 10 yeah. 9 Go nine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll go a little bit higher. I did like all the players that. Well, the two players we brought in, I thought, great. Do like Matty Ryan? A little bit short to be a stormtrooper slash goalkeeper for me. <laughs> having to having seen him a lot playing for Brighton. Um, yeah, he's perfect. He's perfect for a second choice goalkeeper. That's what I'd say. He's exactly what we need in that position. Uh, and then yeah, we say Audigal coming in. Um, yeah, completely seems like a coup for us to get a player of that quality in. Uh, he's been completely misused and abused at Real Madrid. Long may Zidane stay there so that we can get him on a permanent transfer in the summer once he shows his kind of quality for us. Um, and yeah, I know there is the want for cover at left back. There is, there is a player I would have gone after. Um, I would have gone after Omar Richards in, the championships, plays for Reading. He'd have been my choice. Um, he'll probably move on in the summer anyway because he's on a free contract. It's only 22. Uh, it's the question of whether or not he wants to play second fiddle to, uh, Kieran Tierney or if he wants to go buy Munich and play second fiddle to, uh, Alfonso Davis. Um, you know, I don't know what I'd prefer to do. Um, but yeah, uh, I think nine out of 10. I think there was one other point I was going to make, but it's completely slipped out of my head now.
0: Oh, well, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, carrying right. out all the cunts. Sorry, there we go. There we go. Oh, Sorry. Right, I'm going to give you a uh, a ten for the following reasons. That reason. <laughs> okay. That reason. Yeah. And that reason for the yeah. people listening at home, that is a picture of Ozil playing for Fenerbahce, a picture of Socrates playing um, in a uh, Olympiakos kit, and a, a mocked up picture of uh, the Ginger Wonder, who looks like he's dyed his hair there, playing for the team I can't pronounce. Shickle, sheckle, sharkle. I don't bloody know. Sheckle, I'm giving it. Thank you. Enough. I'm giving it a 10. Um, right, next question as well. Uh, I don't I didn't really mind Klaas so the Bundesliga bastards are no more. Retire and, the hashtag, mother and
2: Willock and Ainsley May Niles as well. I think Josh mentioned earlier on the pod that they, uh, yeah. you know, these are players that were probably very unhappy and kind
0: of you know lended to this overall atmosphere. Wait till yeah. um, Maitland Niles goes out in, in in Birmingham, Jesus, he'd be even more unhappy. Willock could be all right there because Newcastle's a lovely place, uh, right, Phil Macker. Um, start with you, Josh. What are you more surprised by? Pepe playing well, Suarez playing. I messed that up. Mm. Suarez playing well or feeling sorry for Luis after his red card? I mean, I'm not surprised by the second one because I knew
1: he was a good player beforehand. I just didn't understand the hate he was getting prior. It was one of the few things that Chris and I, uh, yeah, I know Chris and I, we were in that boat together. I think, uh, it was a It was a colander. You'd think the pirate would know anything about (laughs) sailing, but no, it's full (sighs) of holes. Um, Yes, it's between Pepe and Louise. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pepe. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where that kind of came from. It's he, come out of nowhere. He's he he started he's to us.
0: He's been telling us for 18 months.
1: Yeah, Bay I know. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have taken 18 months for me to uh, finally say, well, there's a £72 million player that we bought.
0: But, um, but yeah, you but like hell. He when he scored that goal, oh, I, I screamed did. at the top of my voice, My f- effing lord, uh, there is no player at Arsenal who deserves to have a, a goal scored like that. Shows what he can do, hmm. so infuriate. He okay. needs to do it's it every scary. game now. Chris messaged um, you immediately, said, I need to be on the pod to talk about this goal. Did oh dear, Why uh, while well, you there, Mike, um, which one of those are you more surprised at? I doubt anybody really feels sorry for David Louise because he's got blue blood,
3: dude. I'm, un- I'm. Un- a uh, surprising. I don't. I don't hate Luis as much as the fan base, so I'm not going to say Luis and Cedric. Uh, Same here. I, I. I did believe that he had some level of quality to play for us, so I wasn't too bummed out. So yeah, Pepe. It's he seems animically like a different person. Uh, so it's kind of weird to see him battling the way he's battling, and defending the way he's defending. And so we, we always knew that taking on players was kind of part of his game, but we never saw him track back and play so aggressively the, that the way that he's doing right now. So, yeah, for me, Pepe, uh, who would have known just to switch to the left, just uh, just being displaced by Saka on the right was the thing that his career needed. So go figure. So I'm going with Pepe for a lot of the. Blah, a lot of the reasons that uh Josh mentioned right before me also is the fact that his confidence seems to have hit a different peak and his will to work for the team. I think he finally understands what is expected from him
0: from Arteta. Excellent. Um, John, I think you're, ne- you're next. Um, uh, I think I'm more uh, I, the Louise feeling sorry for
2: him. I, I, I don't feel too sorry for him, no, yeah. um, but. I mean, I do in the sense that it was unfair, but you know, this is—I feel sorry for the whole team, not necessarily just Luis. So for that, I'm going to dismiss that aspect of it. But uh, I'm going to go with Suarez playing well, and uh, the reason why I'm going to say that over Pepe is because, kind of, for the price tag that Pepe had, there was already an expectation. There was there was always going to be an expectation that he played well, right? The surprise with Pepe wasn't that he's playing well; it's that how how poorly he was playing. That's the real surprise with Pepe. Um, the surprise for me is that if, when, when a player that's really not expected to do very much steps in and does actually a lot, and I think that Suarez is is that player. That I think that he's exceeded expectations, which for me was is more uh, personally, uh, in my opinion, is, is was a little bit more surprising rather than uh, a player that had expectations and that didn't fulfill them and then ended up fulfilling them somewhat eventually.
0: Okay, I'm just going to go with Pepe. I honestly, I wanted it to happen, didn't think it would, and it did. So uh, now we've got two uh, short questions, both a bit silly. Oh, one of them's good and the other one's a bit silly. Peter Kennelly is the only person to tweet us, 31,000 Twitter followers. You're all fired. Scumbags <laughs> a lot of you. He says, Josh, uh, what should be a priority, a cure for COVID or a cure for Craig Pawson? am not sure we should uh, laugh at COVID, but we're going to laugh at Pawson. <laughs> I'm going to go a cure for COVID because it's the right thing to
1: say and also yes. because it means I can get out of my house and slaughter Craig Paulson
0: <laughs> well there you go John uh, I'm going with that <laughs> yep good Mike I take it you're the same yeah if we cure COVID you, fans, are an, you, are an un, you are a heartless bastard at times yeah
3: I got no, it no, we're going right, to cure COVID fans are going yeah. to return and then the fans will take it in their own hands so it solves itself so COVID
2: i, uh, so I am not i am not uh i am not um kind of pushing any kind of specific storming of the fa or anything like that I, I i so so any any statement i made that makes you think that we should kind of incite some kind of thing against this ref uh it's here video evidence that i am not doing right now i do not do not storm the fa don't no one knows because, where it is yeah, it's, it's in like, it, I feel like it's in some underground layer with like G- G- Onyx table and a big circle. Have you seen the FA, the FA like meeting room? It looks like some Evil Corp building, you know, like at Austin Powers or something like Dr. Evil's lair. Like, that's what I feel like the FA meets in some kind of smoke filled room, you know, and they just sit a new ref down on like, with like a projector and like, Show different angles of like the Kennedy assassination and go, any questions? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know where you got that from.
0: Yeah, that was Rob. <laughs> who is that? Was that George, Who is that? George Carlin? I
2: think I no. stole that from
0: someone. Uh, I think Rogan talks about it, and then it was somebody else who, uh,
2: yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they
0: do the same thing with the with the Premier League be like be well. Any questions? Brilliant, by the way. Final question was one that, not to us because he couldn't be bothered but is one that Mike here he, he tweeted himself. Where would you awesome. rank Bellerin among the right backs in the league? Top 5, top 10 or lower? Josh. Top 5. Oh, surprising. what what are you basing that on? Very little, I'd say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I would say he is as eh. effective as Kieran Tierney. And if you're putting Kieran Tierney in the top five left-backs, you've got to put Beller in the top right, or right top five right-backs. I mean, has anybody seen Trent Alexander-Arnold this season? I mean, he's just he's not that great. Uh, I would say there isn't a str- – to be fair, there's not strong candidates. Um, you can say Justin plays all right in a um, – you know, quite a defensive side and he's actually playing centre back most games. I think, yeah, I, to be honest, you've got to find me the players to say that they're better than better in and give me the proof. Cause I'm going to say he's top 10 until he pushed them back. He's a great right back for us. Uh, I think it's the Man City ones that come close. So Carl Walker and Cancelo. I,
0: I think, yeah, he's not as good as those two, but okay, I don't anyone know. else um, think, yeah. Not gonna argue, oh, but hold on, got some breaking news here. Look at that. It's uh, Spurs nil, Chelsea won. They had one bad th- I feel bad being happy about a Chelsea win, but uh, you can't you can always be happy when Spurs lose. How many shots is on goal? Uh they both had two shots on goal each. I'm not saying Spurs are a one man team or anything. No, no. Of I course I am. Mike, um answer your own question, you you filthy vermin with your, your horrible tweets.
3: I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to be asked here, right? So I, I threw this out because every time we, we hear about Ben Deadwood, I often, like, Bellerin's next. And I, I generally believe that most of the gripe against Bellerin is because of what he does outside of football. And if that is, your, that is what you're drawing, like, that's your conclusion, then shame on you because, look, I'm, I'm here podcasting with you. I'm not focused on my job right now everybody needs uh you know something out of their profession so i don't believe in the whole oh he filmed the documentary that's why he's not playing well oh he's a vegan that's why he's not playing well i just i look at it like this i mean i had extensive conversations on dm groups about this actually i think it's it's reasonable to put him within like number six seven um right backs in the league with a lot of comparisons with a lot of names that were brought towards me and here's my my argument for for a lot of fans that a lot of fans that are saying that he's crap are the ones that are also saying that we're going to get relegated and (laughs) them idiots right now (laughs) okay so that's that's my whole concept i'm like look if you, you don't believe us to be a top four top five top six team he he is at the very minimum like top 6 top 7 right back in the league in my opinion as well so i don't see him as as horrible and if if i'm i'm going to throw this one in there if if i'm told hey mike you you could only purchase one position for your starting 11 going to the transfer i'm sorry i'm replacing shaka still versus Bellerin before before i get the shaka and i'm not saying that his current form hasn't changed but i still still to this day see a lot of sideways and backwards, um, passing. So anyways, uh, I'm going to, because those are the three options I gave, I'm going to say top five. I think he's closer to top five than he is lower top 10.
0: Um, Zemir says Cedric Walker, Cancelo, Van Wambisaka, Pereira, and you can argue as per unpronounceable. Excellent. Right. Uh, so we're um, we're almost done. Uh, did you answer that, John? Uh, no, but I think everyone kind of oh, made. I don't think I would add anything to that conversation. <laughs> Me neither. Um, it's been um, said very well. Okay, right. Uh, gentlemen's nods. Is there anybody that you lot would like to say hi to? Josh, what? Oh. Uh,
1: I can say hello to. I was going to say at, but they don't have one. So we know who oh, this man. is. Oh, no. Uh, he did run a 10K, though, today. And I know he's been injured for a while, so it's nice to see he's got back on the, well, not horse, back on his running shoes. He's out yeah. about running around, looking um, up women's skirts, whatever he does. Chasing dogs. I think that's There's what he does, way. is uh, Chris, our pirate. And one day, you know, when he watches an Arsenal game again, he uh, will come on this podcast. <laughs>
0: Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath about any of that, look, because it is Chris <laughs> and he is a law on, to himself. So he, he turns out when he wants. Wait, something big happens and he might turn up, still doing that shit French podcast where nobody watches it, watches football. That is this, the a podcast because Chris is on it. That's the only way I can hear his his dulcet tones. Mm-hmm. Um, right, John, who would you like to give a gentleman's nod to? Uh, Not High uh-
2: five. No, no, of course, either one of these or one of those, right? Uh, I I'll give one to uh, Chicago Gooner at JC underscore AFC at, on Twitter. He does uh, the Gooner Crack podcast with Owen, who also give a shout out to uh, Owen Young at Owen Young AFC. He's uh, they're, 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 they're go check their stuff out as well. It's pretty good. So they you know, they're um, I I'm, I have a, a spot in my heart for Chicago in general, and so that's the first thing that came to my mind. So. Here, it's one of those or one of those, you know?
3: I thought it was pronounced Ian.
2: It's Ian. <laughs> it's, o- o- Owen? it's Igor. Onion. It's Igor. I- Onion. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Owen? Isn't it Owen? It's Owen. It is. It's Isn't just Ian. Um, ask Mike. Ask that Mike. That's
0: all. <laughs> I've got, I've got yeah, I mean, like, no questioning idea. myself in sanity there. So, um, Mike, have you got anybody you would like to give a, a special little wave to? You now you got your special haircut. Yeah, and clean and
3: nice. I look less, less hobo ish, you know. I, I it's just a big boy or hobo, hobo. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Danny, I already have you on the pod, and I've told you plenty of times on my own podcast how much I love and appreciate you. But I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna mention this Owen young Sophie from Highbury Squad and Mikey from the goodness podcast have been incredibly, incredibly along with you, Danny, supportive of me jumping into podcasting and all of you have offered me a lot of insight and a lot of advice and anytime i reach out to you all of you are there for me so massive thank you to mikey sophie owen and the one
0: the only danny oh bless your socks and uh my gentleman's nod's not gonna go to my mother who was 77 the other day she had a covid injection today and she's not dead yet so people go out there and have them they've offered me one i don't i don't want it I'm rock hard, I don't need it. I'll just off. <laughs> yes. Um right, what else have we got to do, Josh? I think that's it, isn't it? Uh
1: yeah, who's on the show on Saturday? Wolves game. We pl- no, we're not, not playing Wolves, are we?
2: Villa Villa.
1: Some Villa. There, there we go. There we go. The one, is, the,
2: one <laughs> the one that Danny thought we were playing for like the first 30 minutes of the podcast. That one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible. It's me, isn't it? Is it me and Carl? John might be turning oh, up. What? Not not this John. Crabby um, John, itchy John. <laughs> Sme- 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 I knew Sme- which one you meant. I'm neither of those. Any no, of those things. Definitely not. Indeed. So yeah, it's this Saturday. It's because it's a 12:30 kick off, and I don't want to have to get out of bed to watch that nonsense. It means we're oh, so actually we'll probably on. win. Oh, finally, people turning up to the. Uh, they're in Twitch, uh, Nishan is there, and um, Nobby Piles is there moaning about Spurs. That's always good. So, uh, hello to you, people um yeah it's going to be you three on so uh, we will be back on on saturday uh, probably going to be about half past two uk time i don't even know if that's going to be saturday in some parts but it might even be sunday in some other parts but i have absolutely no idea at all i going to go and have a look here if there's anything else we need to mention uh oh my gentleman's nod is i'll give it to my man and all the referees in case you're watching just to say hello and we, we appreciate your hard work please love us yeah, on that on that um, hint of sarcasm, we're going to go. Thank you very much, uh, Mike, for joining us tonight. Where can people find you if they want you? Thank you so much for
3: having me, Danny. You could find me at Mike hers FC on Twitter. That's my personal, and then I also host a podcast called Not Another Arsenal Podcast, where you could find us as well. Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, anything you name it. Oh. Cool
2: so we'll Saint john where can people find you you can find me at 305 cast uh, on twitter and uh i sometimes do podcasts there are some miami podcasts but usually i'm on tom you can find me on tom's podcast at the guner talk
0: yeah jolly good uh josh where can you be found because uh, probably in the toilet somewhere probably in the toilet or the bins one of the two um <laughs>
1: you <laughs> yeah you can find me at josh the human 23 on twitter or here generally probably hosting a show because
0: yeah. you know danny can't be bothered to get out of fucking bed today i woke up at one had a wee my alarm went off at three i told it to stop then at four then at five then at six then at quarter past six and at six four, five, i went i better get up then <laughs> i've been asleep for 14 hours Oh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is is a good night's sleep. That's why I'm full of the joys of spring. Right, thank you very much to everybody in the chat. I was a little bit distracted about five minutes ago because I completely forgot how to block somebody or ban somebody on the Twitters, which is uh, something we never have to do, saying nobody watches it. That's because they're watching on YouTube, you dickhead. So uh, there you go. There's there's 47,000 people watching us live on on the YouTube. If you are new here, give it a thumbs up. Give us a subscribe. We've just reached 7,000. Last time we reached 7,000 subs, I said thank you very much, everybody, and about 20 of you unfollowed, and so we went back down to 6,900 and something. I should never have said a thing. So uh, – Crawl people, man. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you very much to all those followers. And uh, we're gonna be doing more shows. I'm bringing back the preview show because, quite frankly, I have nothing else to do with my life. And so, we have a preview show this Friday. It's gonna be Matt L. Roberts, who is from the Wirral and he has has, um, promised me that he doesn't have a Scouse accent and he is an Arsenal fan, so he's going to be on with me sometime on Friday. I don't think we're going to do them live, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I've still got the transfer roundup show to do, so I might do that sometime when we're bored. Maybe Sunday, there's nothing else doing. And other than that, we'll be back on Saturday. Thank you very much, everybody, and good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down,
3: dog.